Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest today is Will Chase, who was formerly a Cubs insider writer, but now does most of his writing about the Columbus Blue Jackets. But he's still a pretty big deal on the old Cubs Twitter, so we brought him back on to talk about the Cubs. Uh, we spend a lot of time on the Cubs' road woes, and actually we recorded this at the start of uh, the game Thursday night, so... As you all know, the road woes got much worse by the end of that game, thanks to a certain punk named Bryce Harper. But anyway, we just talk about the Cubs' road woes, um, you know, what possible big changes are coming up if the Cubs' like downward trend continues, and uh, a little bit about uh, Will's idea to trade Chris Bryant, which I don't endorse, but he lays out the case for doing it. Uh, anyway, you can find Will on Twitter at WillChase underscore. Uh, you can find me at STH85. But anyway, let's get to Will. Will, welcome back to Holy Cow and Cubs podcast. I'm glad to have you back on. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on. So I guess we'll get right into it. The Cubs suck on the road. I mean, I've had this theme now for about two months on the podcast, but with every guest I've had on, and it still hasn't gotten any better, so I'll ask you, like I best everyone else, what can the Cubs do to be better on the road? Well, that's the million-dollar question, and I'm hoping, actually, I was kind of, I was thinking about this tonight coming on here and trying to figure out what we're going to talk about, assuming the Cubs hadn't figured it out yet. And now with Anthony Rizzo leading off, I'm thinking that could possibly be a solution because he's had the success he's had in limited uh, at-bats prior. It looks like, I think in his career leading off, he has hit, um, I just had it up, I think he's like a 320 hitter leading off. So, I mean, he's had some experience. Obviously, we saw that the last few years with home runs and doubles or whatnot. So, I'm hoping that Rizzo, and maybe he hits that home run, he hasn't been, he hasn't had the power, obviously. So, I'm hoping that Rizzo, who has been getting on base, um, hopefully he can ignite the offense tonight. Yeah, that's the hope. And of course, before uh, a little bit of a lineup shakeup, because we're uh, recording this Thursday night, there's a little bit of a lineup shakeup with um, uh, the Cubs, because originally Albert Almora was scheduled to lead off, and I mean, I think everyone who follows any of our Twitter accounts knows Almora hitting leadoff just drives most people crazy. Because he's just not a good hitter. I mean, it's, he's, you know, if you look at the numbers right now, he might be the least productive hitter on the Cubs roster as we speak, and yet he keeps hitting leadoff, and it's kind of driving me crazy. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And I was a proponent for Hayward to do it, and obviously that experiment, you know, hasn't really been working lately. I mean, overall, he, he's had a really nice season, so I was all for anybody but hey, uh, but Almora. And, you know, it used to be with Almora, his defense at least carried his weight, and now it's that's even looked, you know, questionable lately. So it's hard to really ever um, justify Albert Almora being in the lineup at this point. He's batting, you know, ninth instead of the pitcher. So... Uh, if he's going to be in the lineup, I guess batting ninth is the way to go. But, uh, yeah, 
it's 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 just weird. Some of these decisions that we've seen, I've, I've been a huge Madden defender and supporter, and I still am, but I'm I'm kind of resigned to the fact that um, it's probably time for a change when that time comes, but. Um, even so, I'm just glad that it's Rizzo tonight leading off, and hopefully for the foreseeable future, I'm hoping that might be the way to go. Yeah, that, that, it would be an interesting move, and it's something that they've done before in the past. So, But, yeah, just no more Almora leadoff. Can, yeah. I'll be happy if that, if that happens. The thing that the Cubs have had over the years with injuries, where they kind of let their people fight through these nagging injuries and stuff, and it's, I mean, we're seeing it again now with Cole Hamels, mm-hmm. who, you know, he got lit up for the second straight game. And after the game, Madden told reporters, well, he's still kind of going through some stuff with the injury, still some kinks and stuff. And, you know, it's one of those things. So then you think, so are they lying again? Is this guy still hurt? And we've seen it a lot, you know, with like over the years with people with nagging injuries that they probably should go on the injured list mm-hmm. and they don't go on the injured list. And it's one of those things like, I mean, don't you think they got to be a little more proactive with these injuries? Yeah, it's it, like you said, it seems like it's something that's been going on as far as I can remember, even to like the Dusty Baker days. I mean, it's weird how they seem, and it's always the same underlying theme. It's, oh, he should be fine. He'll miss maybe a start or he's just day to day. And then it lingers and it lingers. And I'm, I mean, you remember that, that Brandon Morrow guy? I mean, I still don't know what's happening with him, but... Um, as far as Hamels, I don't know if it is mechanically, you know, something off with his mechanics or if he is still hurt because he did, uh, he came back against uh, the Brewers, had a pretty nice start. I mean, only went about, what, five innings, but, you know, they're easing them back in. And then, um, then they get, um, you know, he gets beat up on the road in Cincinnati. And then, of course, last night. I don't know if the, if the, the woes are the fact that they're on the road and for whatever reason, everything goes wrong on the road anyway. It's like, well, maybe the Reds, you know, they're a high-hitting team in their own park. Maybe they just had his number that night. And then last night, maybe Hamels was too amped up to face his former team. I don't know. It's just it's just so unex- unexplainable. So, I mean, like you said, Madden said that it was mechanical and not injury. But who knows? If he was still hurt, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, with the road, too, that – I think we keep harping on this, but with the road splits, like, you know, you've got Kyle Hendricks. He's got a 180 ERA at home and a 516 ERA on the road. It's like there is no way that home and road should have that big big of an effect on a great pitcher like Kyle Hendricks. And it's just, yeah, it's like I don't understand. Is it like an atmosphere thing? Is it lack of motivation on the road? I don't get it. And, you know, at this point, just like before 2016, it was always, you know, what are the Cubs going to do, like, in the playoffs? You know, that mental aspect of things. And, I mean, I'm sure at this point, the mental aspect of just being on the road is in their head. And it's just because they're so good at home, but they're, what are they, 41 and 19 at home and 23 and 37 on the road, I believe. It's just, Mm -hmm. you figure, okay... They're probably not that great at home. You take away five wins, maybe you add five wins on the road, and it evens out a little bit. It's just they've had the extreme amount of luck and randomness on both sides of it. But it seems like at home, they're confident, everything goes their way, even when it maybe shouldn't. And then on the road, when anything can go wrong, it always does. And they haven't won a road series in 12 tries. And I think the streak started with me back when I was uh, at the game against the Nationals in May. 
So, of course, um, I used to have my own personal win streak sitting in the Cubs down the road, and it hasn't gone too well lately, and now it just seems to have spiraled out of control. Yeah, but, you know, you do raise a pretty good point with that, though, too, is that, you know, these guys are getting questions. When they're on the road, all the beat writers, all the people, they ask them all the time, why do you play so bad on the road? Why do you play so bad on the road? And you wonder if it really is like a mental thing that, you know, being asked about it so much, it almost gets willed into to existence, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And, I mean, at this point, no one ever has an answer. Of course, it's hard to, you know, have that answer. Why are you so good on the at home and so bad on the road? And, you know, it's the take it one day at a time approach. And, I mean, we don't know what's going on inside the locker room or what Joe Madden is saying to the players, but what we hear and I think they have the right, at least they're saying they have, I think they have the right approach as far as, you know, got to just go out there and do it. And really, this is the perfect time. You have Drew Smiley, you know, tonight or Thursday night, and then you have the Pirates this weekend who have been so bad. So, I mean, if they somehow can't salvage this road trip, I mean, this is just their season, really. I mean, they still can turn it around, but obviously it doesn't seem, you know, they can't beat the Pirates on the road, or really, they can't beat the Pirates, period. It's like, well, then you don't even deserve to be in the playoffs. Yeah, it's one of those things, too. And, you know, you kind of you scoreboard watch and stuff, but I was one time with my brother and watching, the, I was like, well, the Cardinals are losing. And he goes, you know, if you can't handle your own business in August and July, they're, looking at the scoreboard doesn't really matter. Yeah. And that's kind of the scenario you got right now. It's like, you know, you got to win your games. Like, the Cardinals and Brewers are going to win some of their games. That's going to happen. And if you don't take care of your own business, you're not going to get bailed out forever. Yeah, I mean, it's on the Cubs. I mean, we talked about it at nauseum as far as, you know, Rizzo, Baez, Bryant. They have the guys to do it. They have that technically, I mean, I know it's been three years now already, but they have that championship pedigree and lately they've been, I've been hearing, are they hungry? Is Castellanos being the guy to kind of, you know, lead that charge? And it's like, yeah, it's nice to have a bolt like that, you know, figuratively and literally as far as coming into your lineup and energizing a team but i mean why are why would the rest of the team not be hungry i mean i know they've won the world series and i wouldn't think they would be satisfied i'm not saying that they are but um there's been a lot of the hunger chatter i've heard jesse rogers talking about that and just i don't know it's like the cubs there's sort of I, I just feel like all this time really they've i've had this sense that there's like a underlying not a rift necessarily but things aren't as rosy um whether it's between the manager or the front office or yeah, I don't know. But um, I just feel like there's just some sort of hidden drama somewhere along the lines that could be affecting things as well. You're thinking that at some point there's going to be a book that comes out in like three or four years talking about how oh, I'm sure. all this crazy stuff we didn't know would happen that was I mean, going on behind the scenes. It reminds me, when you mentioned the book, it reminds me of Joe Torre's Yankee years where he came out with a book uh, after his time as a manager there and as good as things were there of course there's drama anywhere and he went into a lot of it with A-Rod and um, you know just some of the situations I remember Kenny Lofton and Bernie Williams had a funny like uh, a weird thing there where he realized kind of what kind of personality Kenny Lofton was and how things didn't always mesh well that locker our locker room that clubhouse so I'm sure I'm sure Madden if he ever comes out with a book I'd be really interested in hearing and seeing what that what some of the stuff went on down there yeah, 
So now, you know, let's talk about some of the things that are going good for the Cubs. And uh, number one in that list is uh, Nicholas Castellanos, who is just, you know, he's been everything the Cubs could possibly have hoped for. I talked about it a little bit in my last show, but he has not let up at all since then. He's been pretty much their only, like, hot hitter on the road right now. So it's pretty good to see. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm glad they were able to make that deal, obviously. I mean, even like like going into that trade, I didn't know what it would take to get him. And I felt like they came out – Obviously on the plus side as far as being able to get him, but considering what they gave up. But uh yeah, I mean he's hitting three seventy overall going into uh Thursday's game tonight and like you said, he's just been he already has five home runs, which I mean I know we've talked or I'm sure this has been talked about too, but you know, we we know about the lack of power lately with Rizzo and I mean he already has five home runs just since the trade alone, so Definitely has been a catalyst, and hopefully the rest of the team, hopefully it rubs off on everybody else sooner than later. I'm asking everybody, but I'm getting pretty strong consensus. You'd be on board with re-signing Castellanos for a long-term deal after this year. I think so. I'm definitely definitely a fan right now. I mean, it's hard not to be, obviously. Um, I guess my thing is, I I mean, he's only 27, so it's not like he's old by baseball standards. I guess I just want to see the rest of the season play out first because I'm sure he's going to go into a slump at some point just because he's been so hot. I don't think I would. I don't think I would be adverse to signing or re-signing him. I don't know. I mean, if you said five-year deal, I'd probably be on board with that. I mean, like I said, he's only 27, and he he won't be 28 until next March, right before the season starts. But um, yeah, considering what kind of a player he's been so far and what he's been, you know, what he's meant to the team, I think that what I could definitely see him coming back. Yeah, and it's one of those things too that. If this year doesn't shake out right, like if they completely fall apart here and miss the playoffs, you'd think that there would be some significant changes for the players, uh, the personnel too. I mean, you would think that Madden probably wouldn't be back, but you would think some of these guys might be moved. They might try to shake things up. So it would be interesting to see, do they, would they keep a Castellanos and, you know, trade someone like a Schwarber or someone like that? It would be an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, in fact... Um so I, I, I'm definitely ready for some kind of a change. I just think that – I don't know if it's like that it's stagnant, but there's got to be some sort of a shakeup, I feel like. And I, I know they have money coming off the books with, like, Zobris and Hamill, so they might be able to make a shake-up the, the room type of a move just through, like, free agency, or maybe they could trade a Schwarber. But um, I don't know. There's I know, again, I've heard talk about, you know – like with Chris Bryant, obviously, I'm not saying to trade him. I consider, I, I can see the, uh, the, I can see why you might consider maybe shopping him just to kind of see what kind of value he could bring in case they think they won't resign him in a couple of years. Um, that would definitely be obviously a shakeup, you know, like, like, wow, they actually pulled that off. But, um, yeah, whether I mean I, I think it would probably be more realistic to consider someone like Schwarber first that you would trade. And I know people always like to bring up just trade Hap, Amora, Russell, and it's like okay, well if you, if you don't like them already because I mean maybe Hap not in that equation, but when people say just trade Schwarber and Almora and Russell, and I'm like, well if you don't if you want to get rid of them because they're not doing well, what do you think you're going to get back in return? But obviously I think a Schwarber. Could obviously net a pretty good haul. He could be like a DH in the American League. 
Um, and even Hap, if he's in that equation, I could see him kind of bringing something good back in return. But um, I don't know. What do you think about the potential of trading like a superstar? Like, I mean, could you see them trading somebody like, uh, you know, Bryant? Well, uh, you know, you, I could see it, but it would be, it'd have to be one of those where you get like a superstar back or some elite, like, package of prospects. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you wouldn't just trade it to trade it. But oh, I mean, right. I, could, I, don't, I would never rule anything out. Yeah. But I, you know, they had this, you know, after last season, Theo Epstein gave this famous press conference, you know, mm-hmm. you know, production over talent. You know, we're not just going to keep trying to get, like, these young players develop. We're here to win. And they did all this stuff, and then nothing changed. Yep. They made almost no moves. So then the question is, like, after this year, if it's another, this year is on pace to be not as good as last year. I mean, even if they win the division, they're not going to win 95 games this year. Mm-hmm. So then the question is, if you've actually regressed further from the year where you said you're not going to just value talent over production, there's got to be some kind of big change. I mean, am I wrong? Doesn't that seem like... Otherwise, it makes no sense that they would say that after last season. Yeah, I would expect a big change. And I think, I, again, I do think Madden, I love Madden. I'm still defending him. I mean, even when I can't really make sense of some of his decisions, I, I, I'm forever, like, grateful for what Madden has meant to Chicago. And I think a lot of people who are, I, I don't blame them. They're living in the moment, and they're quick to just be like, just get rid of him. But aside from Madden likely being gone at the end of the year or going into next season, I do think something's got to change whether it's you know like i said shaking up the room maybe it is schwarber i mean i mean yeah sure a guy like amora could be gone easily but i don't that's not really a surprise like wow i can't believe they got rid of him type of a move um and the only reason i bring up a guy like bryant is obviously you're only trading him if you're getting impactful either um near major league ready players or young major league player or players or some sort of prospect package that's just too good to pass up and again the only reason I would even suggest Brian is just because he's going to be a free agent in a few years and maybe they think okay we're either going to try to resign him now or if he thinks or if he's saying he's going to free agency then may as well get something impactful but um because I think I think Baez is a I think he's going to get resigned I think Rizzo is there you know pretty much for the rest of his career um Bryant's just that one kind of impactful player that, I mean, if you were to trade him, it would be like, wow, like, they definitely went ahead and, you know, shook things up. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, it just, like you said, his contract is a wild card, too. If they don't think they're going to be able to keep him, would they trade him? And, you know, it's one of those things that it, it, it won't be a thing. I think when I think it's after next season it goes into his final year, because I think he's 2021 he becomes a free agent mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure so it might be more of a discussion for next like season in the middle of the year if they're underperforming again do they consider you know what I mean yeah and so just that, think that though, might be a year away yeah well just think about the fact that okay another team who is maybe trying to get over the hump or is close thinks okay we get two years of control of Chris Bryant yeah, let's make this deal. Whereas on the Cubs end, it's like, well, we're trying to win, but you know, we're also trying to you know stay afloat on our own end. So it kind of just depends on the situation for each team involved or what you know, each party. Yeah, and it would have to be a team 
someone like, I don't know, like a Dodgers or someone that mm-hmm. has a loaded minor leagues that maybe you could get some elite prospects. But, yeah, it'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. For sure, um, yeah. So then I'll ask you one more Cubs question, and then I'll ask you another couple of non-Cubs questions. But uh, So going ahead, like, the next couple of weeks, what are you gonna, do you think they're going to fade out, or do you think they're going to stay right in the race I think through into September? Yeah, I think uh, I believe the Cardinals, Cubs, Brewers will probably all stay bunched together through the end. Nothing would really surprise me. I guess technically I'd be more surprised, really, if the Cubs faded out completely or pretty much completely before the end of the year. Um I just think even with their road woes, and it's I, again, it's like you got Pittsburgh coming up, and you should figure out a way to win at least two out of three. I mean, you have to really. And then they go home, and again, even though they're really good at home, they have a pretty decent Giants team, and of course the Nationals. So there's no gimme there. And again, they're so good at home, but they're also due for a letdown. I mean, what's to say they don't go home and completely lose four out of six or something? So. Or, you know, five out of six. So um, I do think, though, they'll figure out a way to write the ship. Hopefully it's tonight, and hopefully it's against Pittsburgh to at least win two out of three. But um, I think they'll stay in the, in the race. They still have Kimbrell, Kinsler, um, you know, certain guys coming up. Contreras coming back. So there, there's too much talent, but I don't expect them to run. I don't think anybody's running away with the rest of this division the rest of the way. Um I think the Cubs will at least be in within a few games, either up or behind. Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, I really think this. If you look at this um, schedule, they still play the um, Cardinals and Brewers a few more times. So they each have a, I think they play three series against the Cardinals and two against the Brewers. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but yeah, they've got the, pretty uh, sure. Yeah, they've got the Cardinals mid September twice actually to end the season, and then right before that at home, and then they do have the Brewers right after Labor Day that week, or yeah, like the following the first week of September, and then uh, I think that's it actually with the Brewers. I think they might. Let me see. Oh, and then they also have them to close out August. So. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's crucial. To, and, of course, a bunch in the middle of their homestand is that road series of the Mets. And the Mets might be cooling down, but they're formidable too. So there's no gimmies. Yeah, but th- I really do think that this season's going to come down to um, playing the, the Pirates. Because they play the Pirates nine times. So yeah. if you beat up on the Pirates, who are just awful right now, whatever of the three teams, Cardinals, Brewers and Pirates do the best, or Cardinals, Brewers, and Cubs do the best against the Pirates, I really think are the team that ends up winning the division. So, yeah. in a weird way, these Pirates series are huge. Yeah, and Pirates have had their number a little, I mean, at least uh, in one of those series run July 4th. Um, so, yeah, Cubs better figure out a way to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Yep. So, I will move on a little bit to a couple non-baseball questions of course uh, those who don't know you host a podcast about the Columbus Blue Jackets the Canon cast and I'll just have you talk a little bit about your uh, hockey podcast yeah so I write for uh, the Canon at SB Nation and um, the group of us um, we came we finally got a podcast going around uh, right around the trade deadline back in February, so we've had quite a few, uh, you know, a few months doing that. You know, that's been fun. 
So uh, we have like I, I'm kind of like the co-host, so I'll fill in as a host when our main host is as away. But uh, yeah, it's been fun. We've been getting the hang of it. You know, just talking hockey, getting through this off season, which I mean. I don't know, August is kind of the dead period for hockey completely, but even, you know, in August or some tidbits that pop up and the season's right around the corner, so we're getting some bigger guests or getting guests, period, I should say, soon, big guests um, affiliated with the Jackets, whether in the media or whatnot, so definitely looking forward to the season getting ahead, um, really preseason in about a month. So what do you think about the Blue Jackets? Obviously, they lost their top scorer and their starting goalie. So those, you know, and obviously you knew that was coming after the season, but how do you feel about the Jackets moving ahead? So I knew that Bobrovsky was never going to come back. Well, I pretty much expected neither him or Panarin to come back. And really with Bobrovsky, as great as he's been, I didn't want to bring him back just for the fact that I'm glad he got the money and the contract that he deserved somewhere. But Columbus was not in the position to have to overpay because they already have a bunch of goalie prospects. So I'm really curious to see. That's the wild card for me is goaltender. But I'm really curious to see how Elvis Merciless who's never he's going to be making his NHL debut this season, and Jonas Corposalo, or Jonas Corposalo, uh, kind of the 1A, 1B situation in that. So, um, but of the players that they lost, and Dzingel, Matthew Shane, Panarin, Bobrovsky, Duchesne was the one I was hoping would stay, but even that, even though he left, um, and I don't know, he's getting a fair, I mean, he's getting more than a fair deal with Nashville, but he's technically taking less than he would have gotten in Columbus, but. He just has his heart set on the city itself of Nashville anyway, so can't really blame him for wanting to go where he wants to go. Um, I actually like, I mean, when it comes to the, the national media discussing the Blue Jackets, it's always kind of the, the tired narrative of, oh, they need Bobrovsky, or they, oh, they, they, they're not going to have anything without Panarin, but you don't really hear about guys like Cam Atkinson who have been pretty underrated as it is and Seth Jones as established as there is the demon in the in the league but there's a lot of young guys like Alexander Texier and Liam Foodie and the uh who will be uh trying to make a case for cracking the roster I don't expect him to make the roster but right away but they have a lot of young guys who are going to have a chance to, you know, kind of usher in this new era. So I'm excited to see um, kind of under the radar how they can do. Um, I don't know. Overall, I feel like the team at best might be a bubble playoff team. That might be presumptuous, but they still have some pretty good scoring. Gustav Nyquist is a nice addition. So, um, and then they have Seth Jones, and they still need to resign Zach Wierenski as an RFA. But I think... They still have some pretty good pieces that a lot of people, the average fan, may or may not realize. So it'll be interesting to see how the season shakes out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, you never know. Sometimes you get a bounce after losing your big guys. Other people step up. So uh, you never know what's going to happen with that stuff. But as someone who also hosts a hockey podcast, yeah, August is a dead time where I'm not even doing episodes right now because – there really isn't much to talk about. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, luckily the month, we're already in mid-August, and before you know it, it's going to be training camp and, you know, preseason, and before you know it, it's October. So luckily the, the time kind of goes fast, but uh, it's kind of crazy that it just ended, feels like two months, well, yeah, two months ago, and here we are already going into a new season. 
Yep. So I'll ask you one final question because uh, you went and you told me about it, but uh, you made a trip to Montana where, of course, I am right now. So I thought I'd ask you about your brief stop in Montana and what you thought of it. Yeah, so I was going to, I was en route to a wedding in Idaho. Um, so we, me and my dad, we flew into Missoula, Montana back around, well, it was late July, basically, late July. So uh, it was funny because it was literally in the hundreds here in Richmond, Virginia, and we got into Montana. We were supposed to get there trying to think i think like 9 30 at night local time but our flight was already delayed so anyway by the time we got to missoula it was like 11 30 at night and it was like 50 degrees outside so it was pretty chilly which is just weird to think coming from like july in richmond and hundreds but anyway so we were in missoula just for a brief uh overnight um so the, my last thing imp- or my main impression i guess from what i saw of missoula is there's probably more casinos than I can even remember. Like, I mean, I just, in just the stop, like the next morning we were, we were getting ready to drive or we were driving into Idaho. And I mean, there's like a, it felt like there was a, a, um, a casino every block, almost like a Starbucks or something. So, um, but anyway, it was cool. I, I like the scenery, obviously. I mean, you're in, a, I was in a different part of the, of the U.S., which was fun to see. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just funny to me how, you know, not surprisingly, how chilly it was, though, in the morning and at night. But, no, see, I'm on the eastern part where it's a little more flat, less mountainy. And Missoula is very mountainy and kind of cool. So yeah. I think you were in the right part of the state. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, it was like, really beautiful scenery. We were driving into, well, like I said, we were driving into Idaho. And the wedding was in this town called Kuskia, Idaho. So anyway, the trek, the trek, like the the road was basically one of those like, you know, almost like one lane um, and then just like almost like on the side of a mountain type of a feel. It wasn't that bad, but as far as just the scenery, though, it was pretty awesome. Um, we were, me and my dad had to, we had to drive back early, like 3 a.m. Uh, Sunday morning to get back to the airport in Missoula. And uh, we had like, a, this was like a two hour drive. And uh we saw, luckily, the deer that we saw were already on the side of the road. We didn't have to worry about any animals getting in the middle of the, the traffic. But also, um, saw some uh, moose, so that was pretty cool. Well, it's always good to see a moose, but yeah, on, see that note, I, yeah, on that note, I guess uh, we'll uh, wrap this up. But uh, it's always nice to have, have you on, Will. And uh, just if you want to do a little plug, I guess you're on SB Nation for the jackets and the cannon cast and you have anything else you want to plug but yeah um for for any blue jackets fans that could be out there maybe out there we're at uh at cbj cannon on twitter jacketscannon.com i have daily or really weekly articles popping up um so i'll definitely for your blackhawk listeners i mean i'm sure i'll recap or preview a hawks jackets game coming up this year so always a fun time around the nhl Yep. And thank you for coming on. Definitely. Thanks. As always, the uh, podcast is available on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app or whatever they're calling it now. Uh, The podcast is also on Spotify now. If you look up Holy Cow, Cubs podcast, you will find it on Spotify. Um, If you have an email, just that you want to, you know, send to us some kind of comment or something, just holy cow pod 
at gmail.com, and I will respond if you send me an email. So I also will respond if you tweet at me and you know my Twitter account sth eighty five. Um, you know, until our next episode. Thank you as always for listening.